0: You're listening to the Lifetree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. My Nana. I'm just going to brag on my Nana for a little bit this morning. My nana, she passed away about a year and a half now, but she was a beautiful woman of God who set a standard and a foundation within our family. She, uh, she didn't let us get away with anything. She was so awesome, though, her and my papa. Many of you may have known them, Ed and Ollie Alexander. They lived devoted to Jesus, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone sort of just live out in practical day-to-day life their adoration and love for Jesus like my Nana Ollie did. She demonstrated such strong spiritual disciplines and passed them on to all of us. You, you couldn't get in the car with Nana Ollie without learning how to pray in tongues. You couldn't go to the grocery store without learning how to prophesy over people. That's just who she was. She lived and breathed Jesus in her life. She taught me how to worship. She taught me how to sit at the feet of Jesus when I didn't want to. She taught me how. She taught me how to press in. I so remember times when we'd be in the car, and she'd just start singing out a melody, and she'd just be like, all right, Charlotte, harmonize now. I think I was like eight but I learned how to harmonize in the car of my Nana. (laughs) We learned how to worship with her. My parents were great too, but today I'm just gonna brag on Nana Ollie. I was surrounded as a child by people who loved Jesus, who set a foundation in my life of worship, of prayer. I learned how to worship and how to lead in worship by immersion. I was just sort of thrown into it and told to swim. And I swam, I loved it. Nana, she'd keep a record. I'd wake up in the night as a child, singing songs and writing songs, and my mom would would write them down for me. I'd go and wake her up in her room, be like, Mom, there's a song coming. And I'd just start, she'd sit me down in the kitchen, and I couldn't even write yet, and I'd just sing out the song, and she'd write it down. And when I got baptized, my Nana gave me a folder of all the songs she had kept, every poem, every song that had come in the night to my Heavenly Father. She kept them, she treasured them, and she gave them to me as a gift. And she had such amazing habits in her daily life. Um, Some of you may know Don Gossett. It was a bit before my time, but he had this thing where he encouraged people every morning when you woke up, you'd say, Praise the Lord, ten times. And my Nana did that. If you spent the night at her house, you'd wake up to the sound of her, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord ten times over. That was your alarm clock at Nana's house. And that was how she started her day. That was how she lived her life. And it set this thing within me and within so many of my siblings. My siblings are worship pastors and worship team members. And active, active members in their church because there's this foundation set within us. So I just want to take a minute before I preach, maybe I'm already preaching, I don't know, but I want to take a minute and just encourage you, if you are a grandparent or a parent or just a spiritual, not just, a if you are a parent or grandparent or a spiritual grandparent in someone's life, keep pressing into the things of the Spirit. Teach your kids how to do it because it sticks. Even when we're sitting in the car complaining because we don't want to pray in tongues today. It sticks and you learn how. And so now when I'm driving through traffic, I pray in tongues because it comes naturally. Because I was immersed in it. I learned it. I saw the people who came before me get through the struggle of life through the Holy Spirit and it stuck. So I just encourage you, keep doing it. Keep praying for these ones coming up behind you in the faith. Keep showing them. Keep telling them of the wonders of who God is. Keep telling them because it sticks. We remember. We remember the stories. It becomes muscle memory for us. Your muscle memory becomes our muscle memory. Keep going. Keep doing it. Set that foundation in your kid's life. And so that was, that was my life. It was my normal life. And I feel so blessed and privileged as a kid to have just come up in this petri dish of loving Jesus. I loved it. It was so good. And I remember in my early teens, the fire came. I found myself living and sharing space with someone with a drastically different worldview than mine. Someone making drastically different life choices, placing value in very different places than I did. And we lived very closely together, and I felt the atmosphere start to shift in our home and in my heart. And I shared a, I shared a wall with this person, and, and at night, going to bed, I would be serenaded by the sound of death metal music through the walls. Drawings, very not good drawings. (laughs) Things that were coming in complete contrast to the foundation that had been placed within me started to invade our home. And I was feeling my peace get pulled away. I was feeling my contentment get pulled away. And this thing started to rise and I had to make a choice and it would have been so easy just to bang on the wall and yell and scream and match the manifesting that was happening next door. It would have been so easy to respond in my flesh, but I made a choice. I remembered the things I had been taught. I remembered the habits that I had been taught. And so I began to write out psalms and print out psalms and write out scriptures and prayers. And I began to paste them on my bedroom wall and where death was raining next door. I began to declare life and peace and I would place my hands on the wall and weep and cry out and sing out these scriptures and sing out these psalms in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the struggle when this one that I loved so dearly was dying on the inside. I began to just cry out. And plead the blood of Jesus over my room and plead the blood of Jesus over the door frames, and the peace of God began to rule again in my heart. I could not control what was happening next door, I could not control the place that I was suddenly immersed in, but I got to, re- I got to control my response. I got to draw. I got to draw a line in the sand, so to speak, and say, no, this doesn't cross my threshold. This does not have place in my mind. Fear does not have place in my mind. I began to declare the goodness of God into that. And you know what? The situation didn't change. This person next door wasn't suddenly delivered. They're still working out their journey but my heart changed. My heart changed where bitterness and frustration and anger could have settled, love and compassion began to grow. These years, those years of living with this person girded up and set that foundation. It was set by fire in those moments where so much was lost, Jesus came, and he will redeem. I know he will. And every day, all of us face situations where maybe it's time to start writing the scriptures on the walls. We face situations, maybe it's actually with people in your life, where it'd be easier just to respond in the flesh and give back what they're given in. But we get to choose Maybe it's a battle in your own mind with your thoughts, with where your attention just gets drawn to. Whatever battle you're in, it's your choice how you respond. It's your choice. Make a choice today. Choose life. Choose worship. But, man, is it hard sometimes. The way is narrow. What keeps us from choosing to praise? What keeps us from going to that place of worship before the Father? I'm only going to get into a few because worship and relationship with the Father is what we're made for, it's what we're designed for. You better believe the enemy is going to pull out every trick and tool he has to stop you from worshiping. He's going to try it all. It's not an easy thing to choose worship. It's not. It's not an easy thing. And so here's some of the things as I was preparing, some of the things that came into my mind of things either that I've struggled with or seen people in my life struggle with that keep them from pressing into worship. The first one I would say is self-pity, which evolves into complaining and then eventually into bitterness. Kelly talked a little bit about bitterness in her pre-preach preach, which was so good. Oh, my gosh, I was sitting over there, and I was just like, yes! It's so like, I don't even need to get up anymore, but I will. Um, in Psalm 69, you want to know about complaining and self-pity? Just look through the Psalms. Oh, my gosh, David. Well, if you don't know who David was, he is the writer of the majority of the Psalms and gave us our sort of most accurate picture of worship that we usually pull from. And, and David was known for being a man after God's heart. He was beloved by God, but man, did he know how to complain. You look at Psalm 69, and you have 29 verses in a, how many verses are in this Psalm? 36. 29 out of 36 verses are David laying out before the Lord everything that is wrong. As I sink in the miry depths where there's no foothold, I'm worn out from calling for help. My throat is parched and my eyes fail looking for God. And he goes on and on and on for 29 verses. But you know what the key is here? He brings it to the Lord. And then he says, but I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. The key there, David could have stopped at verse 29. He said, you know what? This sucks. I'm out. My eyes are tired. I'm drowning. People hate me. I'm out. But no, David, after 29 verses and 68 chapters before of bringing his despair to the Lord, says, but I will choose to sing and glorify you with thanksgiving. And he goes on to stir his spirit up out of self-pity, out of complaining so it doesn't settle as that root of bitterness. He makes the choice. Choose worship, guys. Choose worship. The second thing, shame. The enemy is a liar an awful, dirty liar, and he will do anything. I said this already. He will do anything to make you feel unworthy of the love of Jesus. He will do anything to say, oh, you're a little, hmm." remember last night, that thing that happened? That website you went on, you yelled at your kids, whatever it is, we go, oh, man, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to come into the presence of God and we let shame keep us from our father. But Psalm 139 says that he knows you. He knows you before you speak. He knows it says you've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it. You formed me in my mother's womb. You knit me together. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Shame has no place in the house of God. Shame has no place in the heart of a lover of Jesus because he dealt with it on the cross. We are bought and paid for. Bought and paid for. And yeah, we mess up and we fall short of the glory of God, but Jesus said, I paid for that too. I paid for that. He paid for that. Do not let your shame keep you from choosing worship, but bring it to the Father and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. David wrote psalms around when he, when he messed up with Bathsheba. There's psalms around that. There's worship that came out of David's heart in that time of sh- when, when he should have been sitting in shame. He stole another man's wife and sent him to die. He should have been at war, but he was at home, sinning. Yet he brought it to the Lord in worship. This, the man who is after God's heart. Shame does not disqualify you. Your sin does not disqualify you. But do not expect to not be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Because he wants to deal with it. And he's faithful to deal with it. another one man not the gender the like peoplehood of the earth fear and comparison fear of man comparison to other people well god moves in their life in a way that he just doesn't move in mine he's good to them Mm-mm. No, don't let fear of man or comparison keep you from entering into worship. God knows the plans he has for you. And they are good. They are good. And he is good in it. Who cares what people think? They're just people. Their opinion dies with them. God's opinion keeps going. Come on, we got to do right in the eyes of God. Distraction. Pick your poison. Oh my goodness, have we ever lived in a time where distraction was so prevalent? I I mean, this is the only time I've lived in, so, and it's so easy to get distracted. We have like, what we call lazy Saturdays in our house sometimes, and oh my goodness, like, hours can go by with nothing productive happening. Those of you who know me know I love productivity. I like purpose. But man, it's so easy. Just like, we, we're we big Netflix people, I will confess. And man, when Netflix pops up, are you still watching? Ooh, yes. Continue, right? There's so many things, whether it's your phone. Caleb talked about it last week. Um, How many, or maybe it was in our staff meeting. How many times we touch our phone in a day? How many things are there to distract us? Good distractions. There's good things. Our spouses, our friends, our children. These are gifts in our life. But if they're distracting us from worship, come on, get your eyes up. When we choose one of these things, Self pity, shame, fear of man, distractions over worship. We're allowing ourselves, it's not the enemy working in our life. We are choosing and allowing ourselves, as it says in Hebrews, to be so easily entangled. It's easier to be entangled in sin than it is to choose to worship. It's easy to get entangled. It's easy to allow our eyes just to turn inward. I remember many of you would know my dad. Um, he was diagnosed with cancer eight, eight and a half years ago now. And I remember during that time the constant struggle of having to choose worship. It was a daily, minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour choice sometimes of choosing worship, when the easier thing to do would have been just to settle myself in that question of why? Why this faithful man of God? Why this situation was happening? That would have been so easy. And I remember lying in bed at night, weeping in grief and frustration and anger to the Lord. And I couldn't, I couldn't get my eyes up. And I remember Mike would be lying beside me, and, and he's not an overly demonstrative person a lot of the time. I, I know. It's shocking. But, but I remember he'd be lying beside me as I'm weeping and I'm yelling at God. So, so mad. And he'd just be like, Come on, Char. Come on. And he'd start crying out on my behalf and worshiping on my behalf and declaring the goodness of God over the situation on my behalf as I was sitting and stuck in my anger and frustration. And I had friends who came along and would just declare the goodness of God into my heart. And it began to come easier to choose. Sometimes I'd be standing, I remember so many times standing over in that sort of our little front corner there where we often are on Sunday mornings, and I would just be weeping in worship. And my anthem during that time became that song uh, that the Torwaltz wrote, sort of right around there, called I Breathe You in God. And the verse, the bridge was just, when I don't understand, I will choose you. And that just became my anthem. Often before I'd even come into worship, I would sing that out to prepare my heart, prepare my spirit to choose Jesus. Because he is good. And I remember around then, I had people coming and start asking me because I kept leading worship, I kept serving, we kept going. My dad kept preaching, my mom kept leading worship. And people will come and be like, how are you doing this right now? And our answer was, what else is there to do? Who else are we going to run to? Where else could we go but into the arms and into the goodness of God? What else could we choose? I could have chosen to stay in that place of anger as I watched people who, in my earthly perspective, I I thought is way less deserving of the grace of God than my dad get healed and and get released and and have all this favor and stuff in their life. And I'm like, what is happening? When I don't understand, I'll choose you. I had to go there. I had to go there because the, the bitterness was so easy. It was right there. But I had to look up. I had to go there. And when we make that choice, when we choose to attribute the highest value to our Father in every situation, we begin to just enter into that life marked by worship. It begins to permeate our lives. And that choice that we make, uh, Caleb, Caleb talked about this a bit last week, it can either bring dissipation And distorted thinking, or it can bring a filling of the Holy Spirit. We can either choose the things that are just gonna waste away, or we can choose to be filled with the Spirit. And in our corporate times, I love corporate worship. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. Come on, whether you're at home on your couch or here in the room, you have the opportunity to engage and strengthen your spirit in worship. That's what we're doing here. We're just giving an opportunity. Those of you who know our facility through the week is a gym. And on Sunday mornings, it's still a gym. It's still a gym. Your living room right now is a gym in the spirit I mean you can work out there too as well but it's really hard to work out at home I get it it is hard to work out at home but come on our corporate times together it's this opportunity that we're given to strengthen our spirit and Mike and I sort of recently uh, we started working out again oh after an extended time of not working out It's hard, guys. Working out's hard. But what I think about it, our corporate times of worship, it's this opportunity, and I like to think about it like going to the gym. I have a prop, okay? And I could go to the gym. If any of you have done CrossFit, you know this isn't a salt bike. It is a torture device. Um, But I could go to the gym, and Mike could go to the gym, and we could take this allotted time that we've set apart from our week, from our day, in a beep to get stronger, get a little healthier, or I could sit on my phone and check my Instagram. Maybe I'll look up some other, like, really fit people's Instagram and get inspired. That's what I'll do. And I could take this hour that I've set apart, and these people have prepared this space for me. But it's way easier just to be on the gram. How ridiculous would that be? What a waste of time that would be. And it's like that when we have this opportunity to engage in worship corporately. We have this opportunity to be strengthened and we sit there and choose not to engage for whatever reason. And I know you think they're valid, but they aren't. There is never a good reason not to worship Jesus. And we can sit in this time this morning that we've set apart for Jesus and choose to not engage, or we can press in, we can engage Worship isn't about this perfect set of conditions. It's about Jesus. I know I've missed out on moments of worship, corporate especially, when I've come in and maybe I just haven't really liked the song choices. <sighs> or someone beside me sort of singing out a tune. Or the lighting's a bit annoying. or someone I know is on team, but I can't really hear them, and so I let bitterness and frustration towards the sound guy settle in my heart. And we don't worship. And I missed, I've totally missed these moments to strengthen my spirit, to to pour my adoration upon Jesus, just because the conditions weren't quite right. It's not about that. It's about Jesus. And the beautiful, beautiful thing is that because it's about Jesus, we can worship anywhere. I can worship in my car. That means right now, listening to this live stream, maybe your kid is asking for the 18th snack of the day. You can be in worship. Maybe you're folding laundry as you're watching. You can be engaging in worship. Maybe you're at work and you're listening through your headphones. You can be engaging in worship as you work. And it's so, so important. These corporate times are so important. And I know it's different than it used to be. It's not the same, but it's something. It's something, guys. Come on. We have this gift that is technology these days. Can you imagine if this had happened? Like, I don't know, when did we not have technology? Uh, Not in my lifetime. Can you imagine if this happened 90 years ago? I'll go really far. Just kidding. It's not that far. We would have been at home alone. We still have this opportunity to engage in corporate worship, but we have to choose to press in. We have to choose to step in because there's this beautiful thing that happens when we all come together, whether in the same room or not. We all come carrying and bringing our piece of revelation that we have of who our Father is, and we share it with one another. We share it and we all get to learn a little bit more about our Abba, about our Father as we come together and sing out our songs and speak out our truth about God, the truth about God. We get our truest on-earth picture of heaven and of our God when we come together in corporate worship, when we join with the song of heaven add our voices to the worship that's been going on for centuries. We get a truer kingdom come picture than we get alone. And worship, it involves all that I am. In Mark 12, 30, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. And we see this through the Psalms. We see it through the writings of David and Solomon and all the different ones. We see words like, come, sing, shout, kneel, bow down, listen, lift your hands, fall down in worship. There is this clear, physical response that we see. And in Psalm 63, this is one of my favorite psalms. Verses 1 through 8, it says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you, like in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and beheld you. I beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I will sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you and your right hand upholds me. There is action involved in worship. There is physical response involved in our worship. You can try to tell me there's not, but I will tell you that there is. I've had many discussions over the years in my role as a worship leader and worship pastor in this house regarding demonstrative worship. And displays of emotion and worship. So many. Lots of things about, well, it's just not how I'm wired. That's just emotional manipulation. That's not how I connect with God or how He connects with me. I just, I prefer to just rest and sit. That's when He speaks. And yet those same people can be moved by sports games and politics. Poorly worded or or poorly researched Facebook posts can elicit these emotions and physical displays from us. Yet we come into the presence of God and this is just not how I am wired. As we yell at our kid for disrupting our worship time. And we allow our emotions to be manipulated by other things. Come on, your emotions don't rule you. We see in Corinthians this connection between the physical and the spiritual. I know some of you might be a little mad at me right now, because you like to not have physical displays in worship, but I'm sorry, the Bible is real clear. We are called to love God and worship him with all that we are, all that we are. And so if you find that you're easily moved in things in your life, if people can get an emotional rise out of you or you can, get, you can watch a movie, a really well-produced movie and be weeping or laughing or frustrated and, and it elicits this emotional response, yet you're unable to connect on those levels in communion with the Father, there is so much more for you There is so much more. Can you guys imagine a body of Christ committed to going after the fullness of what God has for them, no matter how they're wired, no matter what personality test they took the night before that tells them they're better in quiet spaces? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we let God bring the definition of what we look like and what worship looks like? Then some man-made test Come on. I have nothing against those tests. I know they help us better, better understand ourselves, but they are not what brings the definition of who you are. Jesus does. We are remade in Jesus, which means that even though maybe it doesn't come naturally for you to lift your hands, you are reborn and remade in Jesus, and it comes naturally now. It can come naturally. There is so much more. When we worship Him with all that we are. And as we step into worship, maybe from a first, firstly, from a place of obedience and sacrifice, we go, you know what? This is real uncomfortable, but God, you are worth my discomfort. This is really hard, and people might be watching. I'm not making fun, I'm telling you, I'm not in leading worship, in situations like that, oh, come on, Holy Spirit, you know he tells me to do things that I'm not comfortable doing. To say things that I'm not really comfortable saying. But he is worth my obedience. He is worth it. And and maybe you're first stepping into worship from that place of obedience and sacrifice rather than maybe the inspiration or, or feeling it. Come on, the more that you step in the more you begin to experience and understand the goodness of God, the more you begin to understand the truth of who he is, and then the more in love with him you fall, and then the more natural it becomes. To submit, to sacrifice, to bring your life into line with him. The more we worship, in Hebrews it talks about worshiping with reverence and awe, the more we experience his transforming and renewing fire, coming and burning away our preconceived ideas, of how we should worship, what we should look like when we do, the more we do it, the more time we spend in worship, personally and corporately, the more natural it becomes to step in for everything, even when the death metal music is blaring through the wall or that person yelled at you in the grocery store or they cut you off on the highway or your kids are just tugging at your leg while you're trying to worship, the easier and more second nature it becomes. Say, Jesus, you are the center You are my focus. This is for you. My waking and my sleeping is for you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and I've been placed here for a purpose. And you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Your goodness is always around me. It's coming after me. It's going ahead of me. And you just start to begin to declare the truth of who he is. It becomes more naturally keeping Jesus at the center and then you begin to see it affect your life. It has to. The presence of God doesn't come in and leave a place unchanged. So how do we grow in this? How do we, how do we teach ourselves to make this choice? Because it is a teaching. It's a training yourself. There wouldn't be things in the Psalms of like, come on soul, it's time to worship. If it just came naturally all the time, we have to teach ourselves how to do this. And for some of you, it might start, just the moment you wake up. I loved, if you've been following the 21 days of prayer, Misty made mention of this in her, in her uh, exhortation to us. But this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Whatever comes, maybe it's starting your morning with that. Heavenly Father, this is the day that you have made. I woke up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Maybe it's Don Gossett's. Praise the Lord. Ten times, whatever it is, setting that habit to start your day in a place of worship. And it will, I promise you, it will begin to set the tone for your day. It will. Put him first. Put Jesus first in your day. Another way we can grow in worship is in community. Surround yourself with people who love to worship. Surround yourself with people who you see the fruit of a life of worship. Being walked out. I know that's hard to do right now, but maybe have a phone call with someone, reach out to someone, say, you know what, I need to grow in worship in my life. We have so many in this community that love worship. One that comes to mind right away is Bethan. She was on keys this morning, and you can actually come up and start playing now, Bethan. Now that I'm thinking about you, she loves to worship. I learned so much about worship from my friend Bethan. About worshiping through the fire and worshiping through the frustration of life and worshiping when it's good and worshiping when it sucks. This woman has grown worship in her life. So she's one that you could reach out to and say, Hey, how do you do it? What does your day look like? How do you set worship as the standard of the place to think, the thing to do in your life? Reach out, we need each other. And you know what? we were talking about this in the office this week about spurring one another on. It's not always pleasant. You might get yourself around people and they go, hey, you know what? There's some things that need to shift in your life. They might bring some Holy Spirit correction. And we're a body of Christ called to spur one another on. Spurring isn't always a pleasant thing. Just ask a horse. Spurs are pretty sharp things on the back of cowboy boots, and they get dug into the side of a horse. We don't use them so much anymore. At least I hope we don't. Poor horses. Oh, man. But we're called to spur one another on. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's uncomfortable because I was really comfy in my self-pity. And someone comes up, Kelly's really good at this. If I'm sort of lingering in my self-pity, she'll, she'll let me whine at her for a couple minutes. And then she goes, Okay. That's enough. Stop. We've developed that relationship with each other where we get to come and just say, shut your mouth until you're ready to worship the Lord. Take those thoughts captive. They don't belong in your brain. Your brain is being transformed and renewed. Find people in your life. If you don't have those people yet, reach out, find some. Don't wait for them to call you, don't wait for them to message you. Reach out. Say, I need to grow in this. I need to develop my, my worship muscles. So find some people who are strong. Don't just go to the gym and run on the treadmill every time. I don't want to just be a great runner. I want to be strong. I want to be flexible. I want to, I want to, I want, we want to have the fullness of who God is expressed in our worship. You may have to learn some new ways. Move your body. I'm not saying you have to come and take a class with me down the hall, but I wouldn't say don't. All right? My cameraman at the back's dancing around. I love it. Practice. Practice spending some time on your knees before the Father. Practice lifting your hands. Maybe fear of man stops you from doing that. Start in your home. Start in your home. Maybe it's in that that time when you wake up in the morning and you get right out of bed and you just lift your hands. You say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Move your body. There's a physical thing that we're called into in our worship and it affects things. It matters. It's important. Move your body. Listen. Maybe you're like me and, and... demonstrative, loud worship comes pretty easy. I like singing. I like moving my body. That's not challenging. You know what's challenging? Sitting still and listening. I know I have to grow in that. I have to grow in those times of like, oh, Jesus, you're good. What do you want to show me about yourself today? And then I close my mouth. And i open my ears and i listen to what my father has to say spend some time listening to the lord don't harden your heart listen to the lord we're going to try and exercise together today i warned you'd be interactive try expanding your vocabulary we do this a lot in my in my worship dance classes when mike and i led the youth we would do this with them I've done this with our worship community we take psalms we take scriptures and we rewrite them we write out the the Carolyn amplified version and the Kelly amplified version and the Marty amplified version and we take these truths of who God is and Becky encouraged us to do this in her 21 days of prayer this week and we we make it personal we expand our vocabulary of worship and praise before the Lord it engages new areas of your mind it's pretty cool as we submit our mind to the Lord. So this morning, we're gonna actually try this together. I can't help it, you have to do something. We're gonna try this together. There's gonna be a scripture that's gonna come up on the screen. I'm gonna read it first though. It's Psalm 27, one to four. And so just for a minute, this is gonna take like 45 seconds. I know most of you probably already have your phone out because you're flipping through Facebook. Open your notes on your phone. If you have a pen or a paper, you can do this, I believe. And we're gonna practice this and then I want you to share it in the comments. This is how we're gonna, another way we're gonna engage corporately in worship this morning. Share it in the comments, whether you're on Facebook or on YouTube and some of the ones here in the room, they're gonna share their responses and we're gonna take this passage of scripture, we're gonna expand our vocabulary and worship before the Lord, we're gonna rewrite it and make it personal and then we're gonna share it with one another. It says the Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. I don't know about you guys, I don't have many enemies and armies surrounding me, but we all have our own battles. So maybe for some of you this morning, it's when depression comes to devour me, when my thoughts attack me, they will fall. We're gonna take, Starla's gonna put that up on the screen for you. We're gonna take like one minute. I'm gonna stop talking, read it, listen to the Lord. Write it out, make it personal, share it in the comments. And then some of us in here this morning are gonna share our own amplified versions of this. Keep trying, maybe just choose one line. I know this might be super challenging for some people. Keep trying, engage your mind before the Lord, all of your mind, all of your strength. As you're writing, put it in the comments. Share it with each other. I'm going to have a couple of our people in the room. Come on up and share. and put them on the spot. They're all staring at me a little scared right now. It'll be great. Kelly, you got one? All right, come on up. The Kelly Amplified Version. I just did the first verse, and um, the Lord is the one who wakes me up in the morning. Come on. He keeps me strong and he keeps me safe. And then I think there's another verse, it keeps going, and I, and I thought about, he's the one who, who gives me my coffee and my sustenance in the morning. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so good. God is my coffee. It's a very true mom's amplified version. Come on, anyone else, anyone in the room, even if it's just like a little part of it, share it in the comments, guys. Let's spur one another on in worship before the Lord. I know for me, it'd be like, the Lord is what keeps me going. He is with me. What should I be afraid of? Yeah, come on, Mike. I wrote, I look to Jesus. He's my source of life. Because he stands on guard for me, my hand is as steady as a surgeon's. I can walk through life's challenges with my head high. So good. So good. So I just encourage you, as you write things, share it in the comments. Post it on our community page. Maybe you take this verse and you, you have a song that fits with it. Share it on the community page. Maybe you draw a picture. Maybe you're inspired to, to use your artistic abilities by this. Go for it. Come on, share it with the community. Maybe you do a dance to it. We want to see it. We want to we want to watch and and be inspired by your worship to your Father. We want to join with you. Yes, come on, Starlin. The comment says, "The Lord is everything I need. He is my home. I am not frightened because He is always with me. I am safe." It's so good. It's so good. So I just encourage you through this week try this pick one new way to worship pick one new way Carolyn has another pick one new way to to use all that you are to worship our king this week come on up Carolyn God is my illumination and direction yes. my rescue so why should I be afraid yeah. When fear of COVID-19 or fear of loss comes against me, his love will surround my heart and I will not be afraid. Yes, so good. So good. Yes, I see the comments coming in. So good. Gary, God beams, saves, kills fear, tangible threats. Dogs and evil ones fall dead. This kid sits in a warm lap, hugged forever. Yes, Gary, man. Gary is another one. If you want to learn how to worship and pray, give Gary a call. That guy is so good. Sharon says, Lord, you remind me again and again that I'm hidden in your fortress with your light, showing me the way, never lost, always home. Come on, Wade says, Jesus, you show me the way and you never fail to provide the way. You are the way. Being with you is like resting in the middle of the camp of the strongest army because it's your army. You are the commander in chief, and your eye is on me. Even if another army was to come for me, there is no room for fear because of who you are for me. You are for me, and if you are for me, nothing can come against. Come on, you got to know faith begins to rise within you as you do this. Hope begins to rise as you choose, I'm going to be filled with the Spirit not going to get distracted by other things. I'm going to choose to be filled with the Spirit. I love it. Can you imagine a community of people choosing worship in every moment, going after the fullness of who God is? That's what I long for. That's what I am desperately crying out for. So Jesus, help us. Help us as a church community worship you with all that we are. Help us press into your presence. If we don't thirst for you, give us thirst for you. If we don't feel that hunger for your presence, awaken it within us, Father. Set a fire in our hearts to long and go after you. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to come into worship before you in every moment, in every day. You are good always. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys. And just thank you so much for joining with us. I look forward to seeing more of these Life Tree Church amplified versions in the comments and on our community page this week. Choose worship, guys. Choose worship. The power isn't in the worship. It's in the one being worshiped. Choose Jesus. Choose to worship him through your week. We love you. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Life Tree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.